What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Need It Podcast. I am your host, Zane, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Wyda. In this episode, Josh and I recap and acknowledge the first major win of John Rahm's career at the U.S. Open this past weekend, and then we also recap the second round of the NBA playoffs and as well preview the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals that are ongoing. We give our picks for those series, and we also discuss who we want to win the NBA playoffs and why. From there, we open the floor to a discussion about Kevin Durant's legacy, if it's tarnished or not from that seven-game series against the Bucks, We touched on this in the Facebook group, but if you're looking for a further breakdown and explanation, we give it to you in the middle of this episode, so stay tuned for that. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys listening, and don't forget to follow us on Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, at Need It Sports, and then also go over and join our Facebook group, Need It Sports, Sports Discussions. As always, thanks for listening, and hope you enjoy the episode. What's going on, everyone? What's up, Josh? Josh, today we're starting this episode a little bit different, and you know, while having this platform and and covering sports is fun uh, unfortunately it's not always good news uh, today we found out that you know former head coach most winningest coach of all time for the Aggies uh, RC Slocum was diagnosed with cancer um, he was the coach for A&M between 1989 and 2002 uh, he's going through chemotherapy in college station uh, but I just want to say you know before we dive into everything else that you know, on behalf of us, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family as he goes through this battle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, definitely not good news to hear that. Very unfortunate news. Um, thoughts and prayers from us um, going out to his close family members, friends, colleagues, ex-coaches, coaching staff, players, whoever has just been touched by him. Um, that's really unfortunate news and situation. So, um, you know, thoughts and prayers out to his family. It's definitely going to be an uphill battle, but um, hopefully he can come through on that. Uh, now, with that being said, uh, you know, let's start diving into this week's episode. Um, we're going to get into a little bit about John Rahm and him winning the U.S. Open. What an amazing story that is. And then we're going to be able to get into the NBA, a little recap and preview of uh, the second and, th- and the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. So to start off, uh, John Rahm coming out, winning the uh, 2021 U.S. Open. Um, really couldn't have written a better story, man, with it being at Torrey Pines, which is a very close um, and heartfelt golf course for him and his family. Um, if, if you guys don't know, John Rahm was actually uh, probably about two to three weeks ago um, at the Memorial Tournament, Jack's Place. Um, he was going into Sunday with a seven-stroke lead, and as soon as he came off off 18 on his third round on that Saturday – um, the PGA officials came into him and, uh, immediately walked up to him out in 18 and said, Hey, um, you know, you tested positive this morning. Um, you're going to be forced to withdraw from the tournament. And, um, from there, it just kind of kept on getting worse. He realized he, you know, tested positive, was going to have to withdraw from the tournament. Um, and his hopes of winning that tournament, even with the seven stroke lead were, were out of, out of the door. In my opinion, I was not very happy about the decision that the PGA made on that. I don't see why they couldn't have just had him be the first or the last tee time and just have him play by himself. Um, you know, if if they knew that he had tested positive on Saturday, they should have stopped the round right then and there. And anybody that played in his grouping or his pairing on Saturday 
Um, you know, they should have immediately been withdrawn from the tournament as well. So I, I don't really like how PJ handled that, but I'm also a firm believer in karma and that everything happens for a reason. And um, with that unfortunate situation that happened a couple weeks ago, Memorial, um, now John Realm was able to bounce back after a phenomenal back nine on Sunday to be able to clinch his first major, um, the first um, actual time a Spaniard from Spain, somebody from Spain has won the U.S. Open. So that was huge for the country of Spain as well. Um, and just a phenomenal performance, gutsy performance John Rahm, uh, by John Rahm on the back nine, especially on 17 and 18. That putt that he made on 17 was incredible. Um, on 18, you know, with the par five on his approach shot, uh, being able to um, go in on that bunker with that eagle. And he, he had a really, really tough shot. He missed right, green side bunker on the right side of the green. Um, so he was hitting eagle, and he could have went at it, went at the pin out of the bunker, but then he would have had risks. Okay, well, if I blade that, then I go in the water, then I'm going to be out of contention, um, you know, because Lou Isis, and he was, you know, on 17 playing in a hole behind him, only one stroke back. Um, so gutsy call by John Rahm. He just pulled out his 52-degree wedge, opened up the face like crazy, hit a nice little shot, you know, uh, pin high out of the bunker, still probably about 15-footer and sunk the 15-footer for birdie. Um, you know, to go up. So that was huge on him. Um, gutsy performance was really exciting to watch. Father's Day was able to watch that with uh, with my father-in-law. So that, that was a really great experience for me and him to be able to enjoy together. Um, but really even more story behind that, people, some people may know, some people may not. John Rahm actually proposed to his wife a couple years back um, at Torrey Pines. Um, after the tournament, they were interviewing him in his post-interview and, and asking him, you know, what does this course mean to him? And you know, just how special is all this? And, you know, I, I really love the way that John Rahm handled the whole situation of Memorial. He just kind of ducked his head down, went back to work, came out here with a little chip on his shoulder. Uh, you know, he said, hey, you know, Torrey Pines, the San Diego area, as soon as we touch down here, we feel like we're back home in Spain. You know, he's like, this is a perfect, you know, summer day here, 70, a little windy, a little cloudy. That's how it is in Spain a lot of the times. So it just feels like home for him, being the fact that he proposed there, um, this was his first year being able to celebrate Father's Day, so being able to win his first major on Father's Day as well and have his wife and kid there. I don't know if you saw the moment um, whenever Lou Eisenhower was going on in the 17T. He was only down by one, so John Rahm knew that there was going to be a possibility of a playoff. Um, so he went and started hitting balls at the range, and Phil Mickelson was already over there watching, so he went and grabbed a chair for, for John Rahm's wife and baby. And, you know, Phil's just sitting there. Phil and John are extremely close with that history, both of them playing at Arizona State. Um, you know, Phil kind of recruited John Rahm from uh, Team TaylorMade over to Team Callaway as well. So a lot of, lot of, uh, you know, a lot of hype for Team Callaway after being able to win back-to-back -back majors for the PGA Championship with Phil and then the U.S. Uh, Open with um, Rah John Rahm. So just a crazy, crazy story, awesome story to watch and kind of watch that unfold. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And, and as long as you're doing things the right way, good karma is going to come back to you. And I think this was a perfect example of that. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Josh. This is a perfect example of good karma. Um, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, I wish the PGA would have found a way after all this is golf. I wish they would have found a way at the Memorial to let him go out there and play given his lead. Uh, but talk about absolute class and how he handled the press conference talking about being pulled and just saying how he respected the PGA's decision. This is why the policies and procedures are in place. He knew it going into it with the result of COVID and whatnot. So um, he handled his interview, his press conference with absolute class. 
and then comes out there and has two amazing back-to-back per, uh, birdies on 17 and 18, both left to right putts. We know he's electric. Um, sank both of them, and this is just a result of good karma. He got the win um, as he deserved, and now John Rahm no longer has to worry about being one of the best golfers in the world without a major. So I'm super thrilled from, for him. Uh, he hit everything uh, nail on the head and, and gave a great breakdown of you know what happened, but Let's uh, let's go into the NBA, Josh. We are now in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals, and one of these four teams is going to get a championship for the first time in, I believe, nearly 40 years. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, I believe, are the only team left that have actually won a title. Um, 1971, well, back in 1958, Hawks also won, and then the two in the Western Conference, the Suns and Clippers, both have never won. Um, but before we get into previewing these matchups, um, you know, the Suns and Clippers obviously ongoing because the Suns had about a, a month of rest and uh, they were ready to go before the two game sevens in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but let's just start with uh, recapping uh, some of the games that we saw, uh, some of the series. Let's just start with the obvious. Ben Simmons is all over Instagram. Uh, everyone's coming for his head. Um, you know, the Sixers had an absolute meltdown. Uh, ben Simmons wouldn't take any shots. And they lost in seven to the Hawks. And I believe the Hawks were around plus 250, plus 260 in that game seven. Uh, and they came out and got an outright W um, because of the collapse by the Sixers. But where, you know, talk a little bit about this series, Josh, but where are the Sixers going from here? They have to trade Ben Simmons, right? There's no way the city of Philadelphia, out of all places, is going to forgive Ben Simmons after what happened in that series. Yeah, I mean – um, 36 minutes to be a all-star in this league, to be a former number one overall pick. Um, and you play 36 minutes in a game seven at home, win or go home series, final game. Um, and you only come out and you shoot two or four. You only shoot the ball four times and you shoot two or four and you only have five points. Yeah. He had 13 assists. He had eight rebounds, but, I mean, somebody else has to help Joel B. Tobias Harris, he, he, you know, two of seven from three, eight of 24, eight of 24, that's terrible, 24 points. I mean, if I'm the 76ers general manager and, I, and I'm in that front office right now, um, at this point, I don't think you can trade Ben Simmons. And I think the reason why that is is because you're not going to get anything out of him after his performance that he just had in the playoffs, you're not going to get the value that you could have got from him months ago. Right. So you got to kind of, you got to, got to, you got to kind of ride this out. You got to really sit Ben down and, and, and say, look, man, you know, where are you at mentally? Is this a confidence issue? Which I think a hundred percent it is based off of that play that he had whenever he was backing down Trey young and, you know, had a wide open layup and then he passed it up for a, one-on-two layup, and they all know they wind up only getting one free throw out of it whenever Ben Simmons could have easily dunked the ball. I think at this point, Ben Simmons just does not have the confidence on the offensive end. I think he looks at it like, well, I just don't want to be a burden. I don't want to screw the game up. I don't want to be the reason why we lose on the offensive side, so I'm not going to shoot the ball. You know, But he has to stay aggressive. You're 6'10". You have the skills of a point guard. you got to be able to go out and get – 15, 16 points, you know, 16 points. That's only two buckets a quarter. That's two layups a quarter. You know, 
I had a I had a coach in high school named Chris Johnson at Clear Springs High School down here in Lake City, Texas. He actually trains Ben Simmons on some ball handling stuff, not shooting or scoring or anything like that, but just ball handling, conditioning, and stuff like that. Scott Chris Johnson also works for guys like LeBron James. He works for Carmelo Anthony, J.R. Smith, some other big names. But anyways, Coach Johnson used to always tell us, you know, to go out and get 16 points, that's easy. That's basically a steal a quarter and a layup and then a fast break layup every quarter. If you get four points every quarter, that's 16 points. So the fact that Ben Simmons being a 6'10", as skilled as he was, and only being able to go out and shoot the ball four times and five points, um, I think, yeah, you got to blame that on Ben Simmons. But I think that also comes down to the 76ers coaching staff with Doc Rivers and saying, hey, you got to figure out, hey, my guy is not confident on the offensive end. How can I get creative? How can I make in-game adjustments to get him confident, right? you got to figure out something. Now, I know all the hates on Ben Simmons and this and that, and people are burning his jersey saying that he needs to get out of Philly. But then in the day, this is a team sport, you know? Yeah, Joel Embiid had 31 points on a torn meniscus. Yeah, cool. But let's look at let's look at their bench, man. Grant Hill, three points. You know, Maxi, two points. Uh, you know, Dwight Howard, no points. Only playing seven minutes. Tobias Harris, eight of twenty. He shot the ball. Tobias Harris shot the ball the most on the team and only made eight shots out of twenty-four shots. Two of seven from thirty, and shot twenty-four points. If he wouldn't have made six free throws, he would have only had 18 points you know Tobias Harris was negative six on the plus minus so I think yeah you can blame all this on Ben Simmons but this was a team loss um I think that there's no reason why the Hawks should have even been able to compete with the Philadelphia 76ers in my opinion so the fact that they even got to a game seven I think this is a lot bigger than just Ben Simmons um I think they need to keep Ben Simmons they need to work around him they need to build his confidence back up they need to get his butt in the gym and they need to get strict on him and say, look, dude, you got one year to prove yourself. If not, we're going to go a different direction. Yeah, I think so, too. And, it, I mean, yeah, you're talking about 16 points and how it is easy. And some people may hear that and be like, oh, well, you know, opportunities only come up so often. It's the NBA. But, like you said, Ben Simmons is a 6'10 guard. He needs to be on the attack all game long. He needs to be pressing them. It's not. We're talking about Atlanta here, who – it's not like they have a lot of size one through three. It's not like, like Trey's a small guard, dude. It's not like Herter, you know, Gallinari too, like uh, Bogdanovich. It's not like these are elite defenders. Like their best defender one through three, uh, DeAndre Hunter isn't even playing. He's out. So the fact that Ben Simmons couldn't attack this one through three is a, is a huge concern. But I agree with you. This is a team thing. Um, I hate to say it, but it's a classic Philly thing for them to collapse like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, someone's got to step up. I don't know what they're going to do. Another reason why they can't trade Ben Simmons really is because, like you said, no one's going to take him. But also, I mean, because everybody right now is on the same page with what they just saw. So nobody's going to take him. Everybody saw that. But also, who's going to take that contract? This was the first year of a five-year, $180 million extension. We're talking $35, $40 million a year over including this year over the next five years he's not an unrestricted free agent until 2025 so um i mean you hit it no one's going to take him but uh the sixers are stuck in this one so they're going to have to move some pieces around they're going to have to figure it out tobias has a pretty large contract too i like tobias i thought for the most series he was attacking uh but he was inefficient in the final 
point. Embiid was the only efficient player from the floor, aside from maybe Seth Curry finding his shot, but uh, they didn't have much production out of that. And you can't have a point guard that's on the floor in today's NBA, a point guard that's on the floor for 36 minutes and is a liability to score the ball. If you pick one in today's NBA, uh, a, a point guard that can defend but he can't score or a point guard that can score but he can't defend, well, I'm pick the one that can score because in today's NBA, you have got to have guys that can put up points. And, I mean, look, I mean, he had five points on the floor for 36 minutes and they only lost by seven. You know, they had the lead most of the game. It's not like they were out of this. Um, but, you know, the Hawks get it done in seven, and it, I thought there was a huge – I thought there's no way that the Hawks, you know, should have been able to take advantage of what they had. And that leads into a good conversation about the next round too. We'll just stay in the Eastern Conference right now and then touch on the Western Conference in a minute. But the Atlanta Hawks are going to have a lot of trouble with the Milwaukee Bucks, in my opinion. The Bucks, unlike the Sixers, can actually, you know, live up to the task and play, you know, to competition uh, because there's mismatches all over the floor when it comes to this game. I mean, Drew Holiday for defense, Giannis first team all defense. Giannis is going to have his way in the paint. Like nobody is going to stop him in the paint. Clint Capella's center, in my opinion, um, and I just don't think that, like I said, one through three, they don't have what it takes to stop Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton and Giannis because those are guys like Giannis can't really create a shot but he's going to get to the basket so if you consider that creating a shot whatever he's going to get 30 in the paint and then Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton when they're on they can create a shot from almost anywhere on the floor as well uh and both I mean one through three play solid defense so I think this is going to be a terrible matchup for the Hawks and I know a lot of people are riding the Hawks but I think the Sixers kind of showed that you know they were overrated because the size difference there's no way the Hawks should have got away from that um, but I, you know, going into next round, I think it's going to be Milwaukee and five at the most. I really believe that. I don't see this going past five games just because I don't know who is going to check Giannis or even Chris Middleton on the Hawks, especially with what really make, leans me towards this prediction, too, is that by healthy, he was one of the best players in that series and has been one of the better players for the Hawks uh all playoffs you know getting his shots but um banged up right now too so it's not like you're going to rely on Kevin Herter uh you know as a secondary scoring most of the way yeah he had 27 last game and that was a great performance from him uh but it's not that he continues that you know maybe he'll get you 12 13 but you know 20 plus every night from from that guy and then John has been broke as well so I think you know concluding last series Sixers definitely choked and let that slip away. Going into the next series, I think the Hawks have a terrible matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, so what's that saying that they say whenever they lose four and the series ends in four? What, what, what that team gets what? That's a sweep. So I'm going to go one step above. I already got my Fabuloso and my, you know, everything pouring out, and I'm about to mop <laughs> these dudes. So the Atlanta Hawks are about to get mopped. Maliwat, okay, with Fabuloso, with the Swiffer, the the vacuum included, everything, okay. This series are wrapped. Go ahead and give Milwaukee, you know that that that, that bid on y'all's brackets to go to the finals. So um, I'm probably not going to watch a single game of this series because I know the outcome of it, what it's already going to be based off everything that you just said. So I'm not even going to get a, too much detail on this. 
just know I got my Fabuloso ready to be poured um, and to be mopping up these Atlanta Hawks and Quavo and all that straightening. So you're gonna get straightened out real quick, Quavo. Um, I feel so, I feel it. But let's talk, Josh. Let's touch on how the Bucks got here because that's more interesting than what's to come for for them. I think before the finals. So let's talk about how they got past the Nets in seven games. Well, KD airballed a game winning shot. I mean, and I know we talked about this in our Facebook group and, you know, I had, I think this will be kind of interesting because I think for the first time, well, not first time, but um, majority of the times me and you always agree, but this is a topic that I think that we actually differ in is, is you had asked a question in our Facebook group was, you know, does the Nets losing in game seven, um, even though the great performance that Kevin Durant had and everything, does this affect his legacy? And, and, and I, I know you said that you do not think it does, but I, I can't agree with you on that. Because just in my opinion, I don't care who it is. LeBron, whenever he was in the East, whenever he made the playoffs, he went to the finals every year. <laughs> every year. Okay, so I you, we can't sit here and say Kevin Durant's the greatest player in the world and he's the greatest scorer and this and that. Yeah, he dropped 48, but when he shot the ball 35 times. I mean, you better be dropping 40-plus if you're shooting the ball 35 times. So, for me, I, I – yes, Kevin Durant played his tail off. Yes, it was a great series. Um, you know, some people say they feel bad for KD. Yeah, say what you want. Bottom line, he didn't get the job done. He did not get the job done. They did not get the job done. James Harden, you can say that James Harden was hurt and banged up. James Harden still played 53 minutes. I mean – there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. If you're hurt, you can play. If you're injured, you can't. So if James Harden was injured, he shouldn't have played. You know, I mean, he still still was hitting some shots. Yeah, it's a des- it's a desperation move though. They had to put him out there. I understand that. I understand that. But guess what? LeBron still made it to the finals when he ain't have Kyrie and Kevin Love. Well, okay, all right. Let me jump in real quick because so, no, no, no. Th- but, but let me finish. Let me finish. So my point is, is people always want to, you know. Put KD on LeBron's level, and if you're going to do that, you got to hold him to the same standard. You have to. You have to. When, other than whenever KD was on the Warriors, when has he ever made it to the to the finals? Never. Yeah, he did. The Thunder made it against the Heat. He played against LeBron. Okay, yes. But again, that team, he had Russell Westbrook, and he had James Harden. James Harden was the sixth man. He wasn't necessarily the J- James Harden, you know, we know today, though. James Harden was probably the same level of the James Harden that we just saw in this series because he was hurt. <laughs> Not well, my th- problem. Here's all the, here's the say is, all I'm trying to say is, Zane, and the rest of the listeners out there that tune in to this episode in our podcast, is if you're going to compare somebody to LeBron James, you have to – actually hold him to the same standard because the LeBron would have lost this series. Let's say, let's say, let's say if LeBron, you know, for example, going back, if LeBron had uh, Kevin Love, but he didn't have Kyrie and he would have lost this series. Oh, he would have been crucified. And people can say, well, LeBron just got knocked out in the first round. Yeah. For the first time ever. And that's because literally he has a, they have a dynamic duo for the Lakers and Anthony Davis was hurt and could not play. Could not play. I think he tried to play five minutes in game in game six. Couldn't give it a go because he was actually injured. He wasn't hurt like James Harden. So all I'm saying is, is yes, Kevin Durant played his tail off. He 
he he played great. The shot that he hit to tie the game up that was almost a game winner, wing it almost was not my problem. You had an opportunity to win the game. And it's funny, Kyrie Irving. What did he say whenever whenever KD came to the Nets for the first time ever? I have somebody on my team that I can think of and say I'm not the only one that can hit that shot. The disrespect. And Kyrie over there on the bench when KD is about to shoot that game potential game winner, he has his hands up and he looks and he's like, I done fucked up. KD airballed. I don't care what you want to say. Bad shot, whatever. Blame it on James Harden for dribbling the ball for 20 seconds and giving it to KD to bail him out. That was all on the Nets. They should have not lost that series. Bottom line, they were the better team even without Kyrie. They got the best scorer on the planet. So I will sit here and say, Yes, that loss did taint his legacy. Is it going to prevent him from being one of the greatest players of all time? No, you know, because there's always going to be that fact. But he should have won that series, bottom line. He should have got the job done. There's no reason why they shouldn't have won that game. That's I get. I think there's confusion with a couple of things, though. The first thing, Ky, what Kyrie said about somebody else being able to hit the shot, that's bullshit because we've seen LeBron hit big-time shots for his entire career. So I'm not even going to acknowledge that any further. Where there's confusion is that you got to define first what is KD's legacy. So I'd say best scorer of all time and probably a top 15, 20 player ever. But – well, I have never said anything. I've never one time compared Kevin Durant to LeBron James. And I think to hold, I get why you are, you know, siding with, you know, like you got to hold them to the same standard type of thing. But one is LeBron James and like, I don't hold anybody to the same standard as him. So it's like Kevin Durant doing everything he could. Like, yeah, you said he took 35 shots, 36 shots, whatever. He still shot like 50% from the floor. Um, the supporting cast in this entire series was bad. Joe Harris, absolute trash. Uh, Blake Griffin, you know, he hustled a lot and was here and there. Bruce Brown bricked a lot of floaters. Like Jeff Green had one good game and then showed up and had zero points in game seven. Um, and then like you said, Harden, Harden was, I, Harden was hurt. I mean, it was very apparent. Like there were no dribbling in and out, like aggressive step backs. Like I didn't see that very much at all. He shot five of 17 from the floor, two of 12 from three. He relied two heavily. 12. Two, two of 12, 12 from three. He relied heavily on getting to the line and shooting free throws. But, I mean, obviously, like, that speaks more about James Harden to me. Like, that's a James Harden thing. Like, Kevin Durant in this series, he got his teammates involved more than I've ever seen him do. He was playing good defense, steals, blocks, whatever. When you're on the floor for 53 minutes, you're going to get some of them, so whatever. But he was he was contesting things. He was, you know, playing good D, grabbing rebounds. Um, I mean, he made every shot that he needed to except the last one, but I'll be the first to say it was a terrible shot selection. I mean, back to the basket. I, I mean, I couldn't believe he made it once. Like, I knew, you know, he was prepared for this moment in his career and he'd make it, not knowing his big-ass feet would be on the line and it'd be a two. But I didn't think he would go for the – same shot selection in a, a rock fight of a final quarter. I mean, the fourth, the, the oh, I mean, overtime, overtime. I mean, the whole series was really a rock fight. Overtime, that was very apparent as well because the Nets only scored two points and then he settled for that shot. Um, I think that kind of pointed to how exhausted he was. But going back to the beginning, I don't hold Kevin Durant to the same standard of LeBron James. Like, I think that's kind of silly to do. I've never put him on the same level. I think, like, 
you know, if we were saying like tier one A and tier one B or something, like is Kevin Durant the best player in the world right now? Maybe, but like LeBron was hurt a lot of this year. So I don't really know that either. But, you know, talk about whole career, like Kevin Durant is not up there with LeBron. So I don't really hold him to the same standard. Should he have won the series? Yeah, I think so too. But I don't think ultimately that it really is hurting his legacy because everybody else saw how bad the role players were and they saw how miserable James Harden was. So I don't think like at the end of the day, when we, you know, talk about the career of Kevin Durant, that this game is going to be a huge talking point just because when you look at what he did, it's going to be there. I mean, nearly 50 points in game five and game seven, like it doesn't get much better than that. And again, I get your point of view. He should have won the game. But I'm not going to hold him to something like LeBron James did. You know, this Milwaukee Bucks team has a way better supporting cast than the Brooklyn Nets do. Like, way better right now. Um, For me, I think Kyrie Irving, first of all, I think Kyrie is one of the most underappreciated players in the NBA. I've been saying this for a long time. I said it before he got hurt. I don't think I was on record, but I did talk about it with somebody before he got hurt, and then as soon as he went down, the team looked extremely different. They hardly led the rest of the way except the game they won. Um, I think they lost uh, – it was 2-0, so they lost, you know, four of the last five games or whatever. Um, Kyrie going down was was big, but, again, the Bucks have a way better supporting cast. P.J. Tucker, you know what you're getting. He's going to play defense. He's going to hit a, a couple, you know, corner threes. Brooke Lopez, a five that can stretch the floor. Drew Holiday, first team all defense. Giannis, first team all defense. Giannis destroyed them in the paint all series like we knew he would. Um, And Chris Middleton, you know, showed up here and there. Um, But he was much better than James Harden. Uh, James Harden didn't even play in the beginning, and then James Harden was miserable when he did play. So I think when you consider all of that, like, I I can't knock Kevin Durant too much. And, again, I'd like for you to address the other point with LeBron because I don't hold him to the same standard as LeBron James. LeBron, LeBron carried saying, Cleveland for the first, you know, whatever it was, 10, 11, 12 years of his career. Yeah, I wasn't saying that you were saying that, but I'm saying if we if we were to take a, a, a nationwide poll of NBA fans, I guarantee you at least 50 percent of them are going to say that KD and LeBron James right now are on the same level. OK, we got some people, analysts, we got people like Giannis saying that KD's the best player in the world right now, you know. We got people in our Facebook group that were saying KD, greatest score all time, and and this and that. And, yes, he did put up a lot of points. But, again, I mean, he shot the ball 36 times. Well, Tobias Harris with 12 more shots wasn't getting 48. Okay. okay. Yeah, <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> this but is I'm Kevin Durant. Any, any, but, but Tobias Harris is nowhere even close to the scoring capacity and level that KD is. Anybody on that Tier 1 scoring level, if you shoot the ball 36 times, you're going to drop 40. You're going to, especially if you go to the free throw line, you know, five times and you shoot 10 of 11. That's 10 points right there, you know. So, for me, I'm really just making that comparison because, for me, for Katie's legacy, and and, and I see what you were saying. You're saying that you don't really hold him to that standard because we've never seen him do that. And I get that because he only has a ring because he went to the Golden State, the team that came back and beat him whenever they were down 3-1 and, he had Steph and he had Clay and he had Draymond and the super team and all that, you know. But for me, it's like there's too many people out here that put KD on LeBron's level. 
There's too many people that do that. So I make that comparison because I'm going to say to the people out there that do make that comparison to say that KD is, is the greatest player in the world, that he is the best player in the NBA and this and that. If you're going to do that, let's start matching apples to apples here. You know, let's let, let, let's really do that. So for me, you know, guys like LeBron wouldn't have lost that game. Guys like Michael Jordan wouldn't have lost that game. Guys like Kobe Bryant wouldn't have lost that game. Those are all guys, in my opinion, that at the end of KD's legacy, he is going to be ended up being compared to. That's my opinion. He's going to be compared to those type of caliber players. He's going to be a top 10 player of all time. Kevin Durant will be a top 10 player of all time whenever all said and done. Absolutely, 100%. There's no doubt about it. So those are the guys that he's going to be compared to. He's not on that Mount Rushmore yet, but he's right there. So that's what I'm saying. I'm going to compare him to that. I'm going to compare him to the cream of the crop. And in my opinion, none of those guys that I just compared him to would have lost this game to the Milwaukee Bucks. They wouldn't have, even with the circumstances that they would have that they would have been provided. At the end of the day, Kevin Durant dropped 48 points, and he still was minus four on the plus and minus. Yeah, but that's because he played every minute. I mean, they lost by four. Like, I'm, I mean, I understand that, but I mean, <laughs> hey, come on now. Come on now. But it's like, Kevin. I mean, Kevin Durant and LeBron, like, probably are, you know, one and two best players in the world right now. Like, absolutely. But LeBron went out in round one. Kevin Durant made it further. Like, let's say the Bucks do cruise past the Hawks, and then, you know, they – CP3, maybe the Suns make it, and they can't really get a ring, and the Bucks get the ring. Like, nobody's going to leave these playoffs saying, oh, Giannis got the ring. He's the best player in the world right now either. So, it's like – it, it's kind of a, a tricky thing, too, because at the end of the day, like, I know what you're saying, but people are going to be like, oh, if, well, you know, Kevin I'll Durant did this. make it further, you know. I'll like, tell you that, this. That's what some people will say, I think. I'll tell you this. If Milwaukee and they go get a ring this year and Giannis goes and gets a ring, you got to put Giannis on the same level as Kevin Durant now. As an overall player, you have to. Why? Because he I never mean, left his team. He brought a freaking championship to his to his team without a – another perennial all-star around him, okay, he did what KD was never able to do, lead his team without going to chase a ring to go get a ring. So if Giannis does go get a ring this year, it's a huge knock on KD because KD got knocked off on Giannis's way there. And, yeah, they have a great supporting cast, but they don't have a James Harden. Yeah, Kyrie getting hurt, yeah, that was unfortunate. Injuries happened. Wham. Not my problem. Kevin Durant should not have lost that game. Bottom line, they should not have lost that series. So if Milwaukee goes on and wins a ring this year, I think that hurts KD's legacy even more so. You wouldn't, but see, it could be twofold. You wouldn't think of it as, no. Uh, well, no. Kevin Durant lost. Going. He lost in overtime of Game Seven to the nope. NBA champs. Like that was nope. the finals. Nope. Should have shouldn't have airballed the game winner. Nope. If you're going to be the best player in the world, you're, you need to be held to that standard. Bottom line. Bottom line. Well, I will be the first to say it was a terrible so- shot selection. I came out about that. I mean, he the fact that he settled for that same shot twice uh, blew my mind. I wasn't surprised to see him at the first one, but I did think he, he won it initially. Uh, but like we said, those big ass he, he ended up being a two, and they went to OT, and they didn't do shit in OT. Um, but – yeah, I still think I don't know. I if Giannis wins a ring, I get exactly what you're saying. 
Um, it is a, it is a, it's a good argument. I mean, I don't have much against it. It's a good argument. If Giannis leads Milwaukee to a championship, I mean, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal because it's Milwaukee out of all places too. So, um, you know, not a big market by any means. Um, but I just, you know, as a sports fan and, you know, for so long, eye test will not ever let me, eye test is simply not going to let me put Giannis and Kevin Durant on the same level until Giannis becomes a three-level scorer. Yeah, he'll knock down a couple of threes here and there, uh, but for the most time, he's settling in his shot selection. If he's not in the paint, it results in a bad possession. Um, so I I can't put them on the same level. Um, but I but, but I get the argument. I get the factors. argument, though. Like, if you lead Milwaukee to a championship, like, I'm not going to talk shit. Like, that's amazing. Like, and, and Giannis is efficient because he's usually in the paint. So, yeah, I mean, he gets a lot of boards, not not a big, you know, pass guy. You know, he's really catching passes and finishing at the rim, but he's very efficient because his field goal percentage is high. He's in the paint. He's either dunking or getting a layup or putting a post move on someone smaller. So, um, I mean, yeah, you could make a case for, you know, him being one of the best players and, you know, being that vital component of his team, but. For me, I just can't put them, you know, in the same tier. No, currently I don't. But again, I, I I look at right now, best players in the NBA right now that I'm taking: number one, LeBron James; number two, Kevin Durant; number three, Giannis. Those are the best three players in the NBA right now, in my opinion. Just the impact that they have on the team, what they bring to the team on a complete basis, not just shooting, not just assists, but rebounds, defense, being able to help out in the paint. Everything. Complete player. Complete player. Those are my top three in that order. If Giannis wins a ring this year after knocking off KD, I'm not going to say he's right there with KD, but I'm saying that conversation needs to start happening, right? This is a guy in game seven dropped 40, 11, 13, and five on 15 of 24 from shooting. Yeah, like you said. And, hey, he, Zane, he shot two of six from three. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he knows his game. He knows his game. Um, so, for me, I, I think that'll be a conversation we can have later on to see how this plays out. But I think if the Bucks wind up winning the championship this year, that is a conversation that we absolutely need to have. Absolutely need to have. Because he, Giannis has now done something that KD, I don't think, will ever be able to do. Because he does not have that mentality. KD is going to chase rings his entire career. He's going to team up with superstars his entire career. He's been with superstars his entire career. Well, he's never gonna he's never gonna be able to do what Giannis is doing because he's never gonna be in a situation where he has the opportunity to do so. Because he, he, he it's had, likely he, that he'll he be was with in Kyrie. A situation. No, 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 no. I know this year. I'm saying in the future. I'm saying like he's gonna be with Kyrie and Harden for the rest. I'm not like making an argument for it. I'm just like stating also that he is not going to be in another situation like he was in OKC because it's likely he'll be with – well, I mean, OKC, like I get – I don't really care for Russell Westbrook, but if you want to make that case that that's a better – I think that's a similar spot considering James Harden was a six-man. I think that's a similar position to what Giannis has kind of been now, but it's Kevin Durant. So um, I just don't think like – yeah, with the Nets, he's going to have Kyrie and Harden and, you know, who who knows what's going to happen, but – I got a feeling he's never going to be the only superstar on his team again is what I'm saying. No, he won't just because he never wants to be on a team where he's the only superstar. There's only two superstars. 
ever since he got a taste of being able to play with Russell Westbrook and James Harden, you know, he was able to have two phenomenal basketball players around him. So what does he do from there? Oh, let me go get three phenomenal basketball players around me. And what does he do from there? Okay, let me go play with two other phenomenal basketball players around me. So KD, um, you know, his legacy, I think, was tainted by this loss, just to wrap this conversation up. Um, and, and I think it'll be tainted even more so um, if Giannis does wind up leading the Bucks to an NBA championship. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is that I'm still on the side of not agreeing with it really tainting his legacy because of a different standard type of thing. I'm, I have him in the top 15 all time. I don't think he you know, really moved up, moved down. I have him as a top 15 player ever and the best scorer ever. And to me, after that series, he remains both of those things. So if I was saying that Kevin Durant is a top five player in the league all time, then yes, this would have tainted his legacy. But like I said, again, it's a standard thing, and I don't hold him to that top five, top ten standard. I have have him as a top 15 and best scorer ever. But all right, that was a good conversation. Enough of that. Let's move over to the the Western Conference. Um, I had Clippers. They end up winning in six, and I had – I think we both had Suns in six, uh, but the Suns obviously swept. Uh, They were resting for about a month. The Suns are on an eight-game winning streak after game one of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, No Chris Paul, no problem. Devin Booker, first 40-point triple-double of his career. Well, first triple-double, I'm sorry, of his career. Uh, But to make matters better, it was a 40-point triple-double. This kid's an absolute superstar. He's been getting it done for his team. Um, I was really impressed with how they won this game with uh, with uh, no no Chris Paul and you know they were we talked about the Nuggets a lot. I don't want to get into this too much, but we talked about the Nuggets not having a good matchup against the Blazers, and then we talked about how the matchup they ended up getting out of that, and then we talked about how much worse the matchup got when they got to the Suns. I mean, look, you have a Hall of Fame point guard and Chris Paul going up a guy and Frank Campazzo, who's a thirty year old. Uh, rookie that came over from from Europe and then you know Austin Rivers who wasn't even on the team a couple months ago for the Nuggets so they were relying way too heavily on Jokic and then obviously you know Michael Porter Jr. aggravating his back again and the Suns just ran through them none of those games were close Uh, they took care of business and and now they're facing a, a Clippers team that has actually been performing pretty well without Kawhi Leonard. So I don't know what that says about Kawhi. I think Kawhi is a top five player in the league still. Uh, One of the best two-way players, if not the best two-way player in basketball, um, in my opinion. And then, you know, but him going down, you would have thought, like, the Jazz, okay, the Jazz, if you're not frauds, you've been the number one team all year in the West. Like, this is your opportunity to prove that you're a legit contender and make a run and then, you know – they folded. They absolutely folded. Um, you know, the Clippers, they just re- replaced Kawhi with Terrence Mann somehow. Terrence Mann came out, had 39 points, and uh, they took care of the Jazz. So um, they set up a date with the Suns. The Suns are up 1-0. Um, that second game is tonight, tipping off and at 6 o'clock right now on a Tuesday. That game's tipping off in a couple hours. Um, but, yeah, what do you think about the journey these both these teams took to, to get to the Western Conference Finals? How do you think this matchup stacks up? All I'm going to say is the Lakers or the Clippers are lucky that they kind of tanked at the end of the season. Remember when we talked about that? 
mm-hmm. the Clippers would not have tanked at the end of the season, they would not be in the Western Conference Finals right now. I will say that. Um, so kudos to them. That was a smart decision by Ty Lue and their front office. Um, so that's paid off. Just want to kind of give give a you know give a thumbs up to that and, and make it a point to make a note of that because I was pretty skeptical of that decision. I thought that was a uh, pretty um, pretty. Uh, what's the best way for me to say this without saying anything that's unprofessional? Pretty scary of them. <laughs> um, so, but for Phoenix, um, I, I'll tell you right now, I'm rooting for Phoenix to win the whole thing right now. Just the way Devin Booker's been playing, I want to see Chris Paul get a ring. Um, you know, I, I finally want to see that. I just want to see them to be able to continue to play basketball. It's fun watching this Phoenix Suns team. It's also fun watching their fans beat the crap out of other fans. So, um, <laughs> Suns and foe. Yeah, Sons and Foe, Devin Booker's over here sending him jerseys and tickets. So uh, I, I just love the vibes that the Suns have right now. Uh, you know, they kind of remind me of, uh, of, uh, of the Astros a little bit. You know, you got a bunch of young talent, you know, and then you bring in that one veteran guy that, that, that just makes all the difference in the locker room and, you know, just bringing the energy and the experience. So um, the, uh, a team that's led by Devin Booker, Averaging 25.6 points per game, you know, I mean, this dude, in my opinion, is going to be the closest thing that we ever see to Kobe Bryant in our lifetime. Um, obviously, well, I'm not saying lifetime, in our generation, you know, um, there, there, there's no telling when we get old and hairy and everything like that. But at this point in time, Devin Booker is the closest thing that we have to Kobe Bryant. You know, Kobe Bryant told Devin Booker, you know, go out, be legendary. Um, you know, so I think, think a lot of people are starting to see Devin Booker, he kind of had a coming out party last year in the bubble, but being able to make the playoffs this year and him just being able to dominate the way he's been dominating has been extremely fun to watch. Um, for the Clippers, I think they've kind of gotten fortunate. You know, um, they they played, in my opinion, the most suspect team in the Western Conference in the Utah Jazz. Uh, for some reason, the Utah Jazz, you know, they're, they're a great regular season team, but when it comes to the playoffs, I feel like they can just never really get the job done. Um, so, uh, for me, I think the Suns are going to definitely win this series, um, regardless if Kawhi comes back or not, because I look at it, Kawhi comes back and that means Chris Paul should be back by then. Um, but even if Kawhi does come back with that, whether it's a slightly tear or full tear of the ACL, he's not going to be the same player. He's not, I don't think Paul George has, has, has what it takes to be able to lead his team to a playoff. Um, victory of this size and this stature and being in the Western Conference Finals and being able to get his team to the finals. So I, I, I like the Suns in this matchup, and um, I, I want the Suns to win it all. I want them to go and win the finals and, and, and beat who I think is going to wind up being Milwaukee. I already said that earlier. So I think Milwaukee Suns, that's going to be a really exciting finals matchup. You did touch on Paul George and, you know, not really being able to lead a team. Like, I mean, in in this magnitude Western Conference Finals, I agree with you, but I would like to give a shout-out and some credit to, to Paul George because he has really shown up without Kawhi over the last three games, 37, 28, 34. And, you know, with all the talk last year with the playoff P and, you know, just being absolutely crucified on social media for so long, I think people are starting to come around a little bit, and he's he's playing kind of like what he did when in his Pacer days. So um, I'm I'm happy to see that for Paul George. Um, but even though I picked the Clippers to make the finals in preseason, tossing that out the window, I don't give a shit about that anymore. I also want the Suns to win. 
Out of the four teams left, since the Clippers don't have Kawhi, I would like to see Kawhi win a championship with three different teams. But like you alluded to, if he does come back, he's not going to be the same. He'll, you know, not be James Harden either, but he'll be limping around. He won't be explosive. Um, so it'll be hard to really give full production, um, which is almost, you know, wasted minutes on the court. So I, I don't want to see that. I don't want them to go down like that. I would rather the Suns just make it there um, without Kawhi coming back and Kawhi just focusing on rehab. But with all that said, I want Chris Paul to get a ring. It feels like this is a date with destiny. There's no Golden State Warriors. He's, he didn't even play game one. They already have a, a 1-0 lead. You know, this isn't the situation where it's, you know, Rockets 3-2 lead still, you know, chewing your fingernails like, oh, my God, we're up 3-2, but I don't feel safe at all against the Warriors. Like, it's not like that. There's no LeBron James in the way for probably the first time. And, I mean, CP3's never made a finals, but if he did, LeBron would have been there anyway uh, for his entire career. So it's this is fate. This is a date with destiny. If the Suns can get there and they play Milwaukee like we think they will, they can really beat Milwaukee. They have enough size. They have enough role production. Aiton has really been showing up. I like how you said something about Devin Booker's coming out party. The NBA is so crazy. I remember watching Devin Booker in college uh, when I was at A&M. I watched him play Kentucky. My roommate, uh, Nathan, diehard Kentucky fan, we went and watched D-Book and the rest of the guys. And on that team, D-Book was like the sixth man. Um, I don't even know if he started any games. If he did, not many. Uh, but he was averaging like 13, 14 a game for his one year there. And it's crazy because he's 24 years old and this is already a sixth season in the NBA. Sixth year, he's been averaging like 25, 26 for the last four years already. Um, so this is something he is definitely prepared for. I mean, 24 years old in, in the NBA, he's already like a veteran. When you talk about six years. So um, he's ready for the moment. He has shown that time and time again. There was no perfect better time than to get uh, his first triple-double like he did the other night. He's been showing out. I think he's going to continue to do it. Um, I, I think without Chris Paul, I think the Clippers could win tonight. I really do. Um, but when Chris Paul comes back, um, this series is all but over in my mind. The game's going to slow down. I mean, Chris Paul's a floor general. He's going to take care of the basketball. He's going to get guys in their spots and set them up to make shots. You know, he's – He's going to do what he's done his whole career. I mean, he averages 10 assists a game. That's what he does is set his teammates up and make his teammates better. That's exactly what he's going to do. Um, all the veteran dogs on the Clippers have been have been awesome to watch. Guys like Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, Batum, you know, guys playing well, but they don't have enough without Kawhi Leonard. They just don't. And I expect, you know, Suns and Six probably. Um, but I do, like you said, it's going to be Suns. It's going to be the Bucks, in my opinion, and I am rooting for the Suns all the way right now. And I like what you said about the Astros, too. It's just an easy team to root for. I mean, this dude knocked another fan out and literally got tickets. Like, that's what we're doing in 2021. Like, D-Book said, bet, let me get you some tickets. That was pretty cool to see, too. So, I'm not going to condone fighting in the stands, but, you know, they started shit Shoo. with him first. Shoo. They, I they, am. They started am. shit with him first. So I am. But <laughs> but I'm, I'm all sons, dude. Let's let's go Phoenix, man. I, I, dude, think about this, dude. Devin Booker being 24. Aiden's still young, too. Chris Paul finally gets a ring. These young budding stars get rings. 
I mean, I just don't think it gets much better than that. So I'm, I'm really, really excited for what's to come and, and to see who's lifting uh, the trophy at the end of this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm rooting for the Phoenix Suns. I'm hoping that they take it all the way and get Chris Paul his first well-deserved ring. And, um, you know, uh, I, the, there'd not there'd be nothing much that would have make me even happier um than whenever they made me upset being the lakers and being able to beat the clippers as well you know um so regardless of Kawhi's healthy or not so uh, i'm excited to see um this series play out and being able to go to the finals i will be watching this series um so definitely make sure to tune in it's going to be a great one um hopefully the suns come out on top and they were able to play Milwaukee going into the finals. Um, and shout out, and shout out before you end it. Shout out to Monty Williams. Monty Williams has been phenomenal. And from the bubble last year, when them going, I think it was eight zero in the bubble. And then this year, with the run they've made, eight game winning streak in the playoffs right now. They're what nine and two? Yeah, nine and two because the only two they lost, they were down two one to the Lakers. Haven't lost since. Um, I mean, God, just such a young team led by a great coach, young coach uh, in relative terms to his career. Um, so, you know, hats off to that whole organization. Um, if they can get to the finals and, and take care of business, it'd be awesome to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, um, and also keep in mind, we do have the uh, NBA draft lottery tonight as well. Um, so. I know a lot of the Houston Rockets fans out there, they're going to be hoping for that number one overall pick, who more than likely is probably going to be Cade Cunningham. So we'll see how that plays out, but that will be happening tonight. Um, I believe the Rockets have the best chance um, at 14%. And um, I don't want to say something wrong here. I think a couple teams have a f- – or... I think it's only two. Yeah, 14 I think it's two teams have 14% chance. Um, Rockets have 14% chance of number one overall pick. Pistons have 14% chance of number number one overall pick. Actually, you're right. And then it looks like the Magic also have 14% chance of the number one overall pick. Then you got Thunder at 11.5, Cavs at 11.5, then Minnesota at 9, Raptors at 7.5, Bulls at 4.5. So – um, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and don't sure. forget, if the Rockets pick falls outside the top four, it's going to Oklahoma City. Yes, yes, that is correct. That is correct. So, um, yeah, Rockets definitely need a top four pick. I mean, that would hurt the franchise <laughs> tremendously. <laughs> they, they would be in terrible Getting <laughs> the number five overall pick, and then OKC is able to get that pick. So... Um, that would be that would be a crazy bad beat, um, and honestly, I'd love to see it just for me as much as I dislike the Rockets, even with James Harden being gone. Of course, so, you would. Um, but other than that, um, that kind of wraps up everything. Unfortunately, we just got kind of got NBA going on, we got MLB going on as well. Um, but we're gonna start kind of diving in more focus on that once we get out of the All Star break and start kind of honing into the final half of that season there. Um, football, we got OTAs just finished up. Training camp's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, so pretty excited about that. We got our um, fantasy football dynasty league that's uh, drafts coming up while we're going to be Miami for my bachelor party up in August. Um, keep a lookout. Also, we're about to start up a couple of other some segments. 
Uh, we're going to be starting up a needed sports fantasy football segment. So we're talking about fantasy sports uh, for football, um, you know, PPR, non-PPR, dynasty, regular, 10-man, 12-man. We're going to help you guys out, hopefully be able to give you guys some pointers and some stats and some research to be able to help you win your leagues that you're playing in this year. And then also we're um, hoping to also start a needed sports fantasy um, daily pick um, segment as well, going in about baseball, basketball, um, and then eventually football as well. Date fantasy daily picks on those for FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, I know a lot of you guys out there that are listening play that on a daily basis, being able to rack up some cash. So hopefully be able to provide some quality input, be able to help you guys win some more cash on that. So um, other than that, continue to follow us on Instagram at Need of Sports, Twitter at Need of Sports. Join our Facebook group, Needed Sports Sports Discussions. We'd love to have you and get you in there, talk about some heated debates. Um, and uh, stay tuned for our next episode, guys. We appreciate everything.